Um, excited to be here today. Um, I'm going to kind of hopefully kind of come out like a rocket a little bit. Um, I wanted the pulpit because, honestly, it's a pain to look at the flat notes on a... But yeah, anyway, so I'm not trying to one-up my dad. Um, I will say it's definitely a thing where he, he's got big shoes to fill, so um, for sure, give me a little grace today as I'm preaching. Um, he asked me, he said, preach about, because we're doing this sermon series called The, you know, the Called, and it's talking about, you know, we, last week we talked about your called to community and, and really called to church. And this week, he was like, talk about worship. He's like, you're a worship leader. It's the one thing you know about in church. And, um, and you think that would be a slam dunk for me because you just tell people to worship. That's what you're supposed to do, and it'll make your lives better and stuff, so worship. Uh, and that's true. But I thought through it a little, and I was like, I felt like God was kind of like pointing me in a different direction. And so indulge me today as we kind of take a detour. We will arrive on you're supposed to worship, and it will definitely benefit your life. But I want to take a little bit of a detour. But, you know, I will still start with the basics, which are what is worship? If, if you're, like, hearing this, we have a lot of associations with that word. And worship is really simply the act of showing adoration or reverence to God. And, and, and it's, it's a broad term, and it encompasses a lot of things in our lives because um, you can worship in a lot of different ways. And so I'm not really going to talk today about, here's some good ways to worship, you know. I want to talk today about um, how do you arrive at worship? What's the path to worship? Because I think that ultimately is where a lot of us struggle, is not what to do when we get there, but even just wanting to do it in the first place. So I want to pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you that you are good, that you love us, and that you have called us to worship. And that when we do it, God, we know you more, and by knowing you more, we experience joy. So thank you for that. I pray that you would speak to the people today. You move in their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <sighs> called, not destined. You know, we hear it's a calling all the time. Usually someone's talking about something they want to be doing, and sometimes it's like an arm-twisting technique, like, hey, I don't want you to do this. You're bad at it. Oh, but I'm called to do it. I'm called to run this ministry in the church. We hear this uh, as pastors sometimes. We're like, I don't know. I think I would have given you like one ounce of talent at it if he was going <laughs> to call you to do it. <laughs> but ultimately, um, I think we use the word interchangeably with like destined or this is my purpose, right? And we're talking about purpose. Um, Five Purposes of the Church is a book that many of you have read of the purpose-driven life, purpose-driven church. So it is a purpose. Worship is one of your purposes. If you're a Christian, just a human. Humans were created to worship um, God. So it's definitely a purpose, but I think this kind of way of looking at it, you know, I was thinking about the way people use it, and, you know, I, I remember thinking, like, I'm called to be an artist. I'm called, people, oh, I'm called to be a mom, right? We hear that one. I'm called, some people think they're called to be the quarterback of the New England Patriots. If you're like a lot of seven-year-olds feel that right now, they're going to soon realize that they're 5'8", and probably not called to do that. Um, I thought I was called to be a rock star, and that did not work out. But this idea that it's like this irresistible force, right? Like, oh, it's like this, like, it's just going to happen, right? Like, oh, I'm called to worship, so I'm just going to be compelled to do it. Like, I got saved. God, I, I, I said the prayer, and now every day I'm just going to look, look at the Bible, and I'm like, this is all I want to be doing right now. And then you're just going to read it, and then you're just going to be like, oh, I just want to worship you, God. 
Um, I think the pre- you know, this idea that worship and this calling is this irresistible force, and it emanates from some other place besides like, like, like this place inside of you. Oh, I just want to worship. You know, I think it's one of the reasons why um, a lot of us are, are not experiencing the call to worship. Think of it this way. What if you use the word differently? What if you thought of calling like this? If someone called to you, if someone calls to you, you hear them, right? Like, and it's not just like a quiet, like, thing. It's like, the word calling means to cry out in order to summon them or attract their attention. Like, yesterday, Ellie is just running, and, like, she's just running right toward this road. I think she would have stopped at the crosswalk, but I'm not certain. Um, and when you have a four-year-old, you just don't take that gamble. So you go, hey, Ellie, Stop! Excuse me. Not quietly. I called out. And I think the call to worship is very similar. It's loud. It's in your face. Um, it's hard to ignore. Definitely hard to miss. It's actively expressing, um, hey, come and worship me. It's like literally God saying, hey, you, hey, come worship me. I'm right here. Look at me. Look at my glory. Look at who I am. And then, of course, we respond with the aforementioned adoration and reverence. But a lot of us, I think we're just not, feel, we're not hearing that anymore. I want to show you guys a video. Um, this video um, is in the city of Marrakesh, Morocco, which is a beautiful city um, with a lot of um, really beautiful and long history. Um, and of course, mo- most of you know, this is a primarily Muslim city. And so every morning in a Muslim city, um, there's the call to prayer. Um, and this call to prayer, it's not, like, quiet. It's called the Ahim. And every morning, you start to hear this call to prayer, and it echoes throughout the whole city. Um, and it's loud, and it's all-encompassing, as you can see. Um, most Moroccans choose not to ignore this call. They get up, they do their morning prayers, um, how would you like to wake up to this? Anybody ever woken up to this? Anybody, who hears the call to prayer in Marrakesh in their houses currently right now? Does anyone hear it? Every day this wakes me up. No. It doesn't wake us up. Why do we not hear this? We don't hear it. Actually, um, I have a, where's my actual non-hard, to, over there, the black one. Thank you, though, Dad. I'm just literally going to crumple that the entire time, and it's going to be bad. So, um, We don't hear the call to worship. We don't hear the call to prayer in Marrakesh because we are not in Marrakesh. We are in Massachusetts, a very different place, very far away. See, no matter how loud they turn that up, you will never hear it because you're not in the city. And I think for a lot of us, the call to worship is very similar in that if you're not where it originates from, you don't hear the call. No matter how loud it is, that is a loud thing. If you were in Marrakesh, you would be like, oh my gosh, earplugs, right? Or you'd get up and pray, whatever. You know, the, 
The calling Christians have to worship God is for sure our purpose, but it's also active and a living thing, inviting us to experience more of God. And we can choose to minimize the call, of course, you know. It's as simple as changing our address, you know, getting away from his presence, closing our ears. So the question I have all today is not, is worship God's purpose for you? Because we all know the answer to that. That's pretty self-evident. But do you hear the call to worship? Like, when was the last time you felt God just kind of demanding your attention? With his glory, with his love, with his grace. When have you heard him calling out saying, like, hey, it's time. Now's the time. Get up. We're all going to worship. We're all going to pray. This is, I'm, I'm calling you to this. Just like the prayers in the early mornings in Marrakesh. Could it be that you've just moved out of the neighborhood? Maybe you've never moved in at all. God's call to worship definitely originates from many sources, by the way. Like, where can you, where does this, like, emanate from? It could be God's call is coming from his church. You know, you're at the church and you're hearing the call to worship through pastor or people in your church, through his word. God's word is definitely one of the number one ways God speaks to us and calls to us um, through prayer. But simple things in life. What about silence? How many of you guys just have been silent for more than 30 minutes and just let God speak to you? Real silence, too. Like, intentional silence. Beauty. Shocks me. I remember standing at the... Um, Grand Canyon, and this kid walks up, and he's like, looks out of the Grand Canyon, and I wanted to slap this kid as hard as I could possibly slap anyone. And the little kid goes, it's just a hole in the ground. And I was like, what are we raising? (laughs) Like, what is wrong with people? And, but that is what happens to us. Like, we're just, our eyes are closed. We don't even notice God's beauty in the world, and all these amazing things happening around us. And God will speak through those things. Confession. Having a conversation with someone about what's going on in your life. Being honest. You know. The trick is all these places, you, you need to put yourself into them. And you can certainly move yourself out of them. All these neighborhoods, these places where God's call is coming from. In fact, one of the enemy's biggest goals for you, I mean, he certainly, he wants you to sin, of course. But that can be hard with Christians because we can know that game, right? We know the naughty things we're not supposed to do, and we can avoid them a little easier than maybe just getting us to move away from where God's voice is. That's step one for anything. As long as you're not hearing God, the devil's pretty happy. That's his goal for you. One more thing about the call to worship, because we have all these sources where God's voice is really communicating from and where he will call you. He'll reveal his glory through those things. And when you see his glory, you'll react with worship, right? Because you'll, you'll have this revelation of who God is. His love, his mercy, all these things are communicated through these. One thing I purposely kind of left out is your heart and your mind. And I think that's on purpose, and it doesn't mean God can't communicate through your heart and your mind. But The Bible almost always points to individuals moving into proximity to God first before they can see his holiness. Um, There's not really, I couldn't really find any examples of just people who just magically had God thoughts. 
and just magically experience these amazing calls to worship. No, they had visions, revelations. They went to these, they, they got in the temple. They, they had these active experiences. And they, they put something out there, by the way. They usually paid a price for that revelation, for that calling. And I worry that many Christians have become so lazy in thinking that just driving to work, reflecting on whatever the pastor said, is the same as moving into God's neighborhood via earnest prayer and actually pursuing Him, Bible study, accountability, all the things that are up there. You know, God doesn't want your spare time. He wants your whole life. And if you don't give God, like, active time where you are putting Him first, um, I wouldn't expect you to hear from God that often. And it doesn't just mean like, oh, man, I forgot to do any of that stuff today. I'm going to think about God for a few minutes. Wow. That was a great sermon pastor preached. I really need to tell my friends about that because they are really doing those things wrong. Okay, moving on. That's not a quiet time. It's not the secret place. It's not, and there's nothing wrong with that. God definitely speaks to our mind and our hearts, but I think you need to go to these external sources, God's Word, prayer, people who love the Lord. God will speak to you primarily in those ways, and you will hear the call. You will see His glory. Because what we're talking about is, where are places I can go to see God's glory? If you're looking inside of yourself and constantly seeing God's glory, you might be worshiping yourself. And maybe you don't want to do that. So, you see, I am fairly convinced about one thing. God will not be ignored. You know, He's going to keep calling out every day to those who want to hear it. You know, and worship is its kind of the only response that's appropriate, right, for um, what we're talking about. You know, it's like a reaction, right, a holy reaction. You know, let's just say they don't typically just, when people experience God, they see Him for real. Like when you hear the voice of God in your life, they don't typically just like stand there. I was raised Catholic, so no offense to that, by the way. There's a lot of amazing Catholic people who worship the Lord, um, and we have a lot of different ways to worship, but I'm not, so I'm not talking about, like, this is the way to worship, or this is the way to worship. The way to worship is sincerely. The way to worship is actually worshiping, <laughs> being focused on God, and if that means for you raising your hands or whatever, but I doubt standing not paying attention, being apathetic and unmoved is way to worship. I, I think that's probably, I think we can all agree, that's not worship. And if, and I think at the end of the day, um, a reaction is what makes sense, right? How do I, when I see God, when I see, see, see Him, and I'm aware of His presence, how do I react? And so when Isaiah saw the Lord, he said this, Isaiah 6, 5, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I'm a man of unclean lips. So he wasn't just like, what a great song. Wow, this is a pretty cool seraphim. No, he's seeing this vision of God. He's in the throne room. It's this overwhelming experience. And his reaction is, woe is me. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of heavens. See, 
God's holiness is one of his most prominent qualities, by the way. Uh, we're sinful, and when we see his holiness, um, we see his glory, it definitely can make us feel pretty small. And I don't know, has anyone experienced that? You get in God's presence and just that feeling of just your smallness and insignificance and sinfulness just becomes so prevalent. It's normal. It's biblical. Anyone who's ever silenced the call to worship in their own lives knows that one of the primary reasons is because you want to avoid this experience, right? People who push God away, you know, one of the number one things, I was a youth pastor for a long time, so I know a lot of parents, and one of the things when you talk to parents who have adult kids who've walked away from God, like, oh, they just are just like trying to silence God. Like, they stop going to church, they stop talking. Like, why do you think that people are doing this? They're doing this because they don't want to have to say, woe is me. It's normal. We should understand this. We do the same thing. There's a reason why we externalize messages. We don't apply them to ourselves. We apply them to our friends and family. They really need to hear this. Why are you thinking about anyone but yourself when you're listening to a sermon? God wants to talk to you. He doesn't want to talk to your friends and family. He'll talk to them himself. He doesn't need you. God, we know that when we see his face, this is a reaction that we have. And of course, worship is holiness, right? It can be kind of intimidating to be in a relationship with such a holy God. It just is. See, Moses saw God, and this is how he reacted. This is a really interesting verse. Uh, he's, he's up in the mountain. He's hearing for the people, right? He's fasting. He's praying. He's having this crazy experience. And, and he's up there, and he's like, God, just, you know, we're kind of new. This was early in the days of people connecting with um, the God of Israel. And so they're kind of maybe like in the dating phase, right? And, Israel, and Moses is like, well, I want to see you, God. Like, I just want to see you, make sure this is like legit, right? Even though you've done all these amazing miracles. Um, Moses is, God's like, come on, dude, how many, how many miracles, like, have, has anyone in the world seen more miracles than Moses? And he's still like, I just want to test you, figure you out on the top of the mountain after he had literally seen the plagues, the Red Sea part, this is after all this. And he goes, so he says, show me, and God's like, I can't show you my full glory because you'll die. Like, this is going to, you can't handle it. So then he said, I'll show you my back. So he says, then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him, and he called out his name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their grandchildren, or their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected even children in their third and fourth generations. It's interesting, right? He's like, mercy? Sin is bad, though, right? You need a covering for that sin. Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshiped, and he said, oh, Lord, if it is true that I have found favor with you, then please travel with us. Yes, this is a stubborn and rebellious people, but please forgive our iniquity and our sins. Claim us as your own special possession. Immediately, he sees God's glory throws himself to the ground in worship. And God's message is really interesting, right? He doesn't lead with like, 
I am the mighty God. Bow before me. Tremble at my greatness. Like some kind of Monty Python skit or something. Like just imitating. No, he, he's, he leads with, I'm the God of compassion and mercy. I'm slow to anger. Like, God's always trying to kind of like, guys, chill. I know this is scary, but I love you. He's always coming in like that. It's really interesting. The overwhelming reactive nature is of how these people are. They're not logically thinking like, now I must pray. They're like, bam, ah, react. His glory, God's glory dwarfs us, and our sin makes us so unworthy to be in his presence that it kind of makes us want to run and hide, I think. Some of you experience that. It seems that when we truly hear God's call to worship, worship is kind of more of a reaction than it is a choice. And so I think for a lot of us, our problem is not like how to worship. 101, three steps to worship better. First, raise your hands like this. Second, open your look up to heavens. Third, reflect on the cross. Like, sure, do those things. But if you're not hearing the call, I, I don't know that it's going to come from a sincere place. And so God's primarily concerned with you seeing his glory than he is reacting to it. You don't need to think about something that you feel. There's one more wrinkle I want you to hear because um, this holy reaction right now, it's kind of unbalanced, right? It's a lot of fear, a lot of unworthy and woe is me and a lot of that stuff. The disciples in the New Testament saw a full revelation of God's glory too. And there's an, it, this is a really interesting story and it's a transfiguration. Um, six days later, Jesus took Peter and his two brothers, James and John, and let them up a high mountain to be alone. As a man watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed to this, so that his face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as light. Suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it is wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for us, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Because God's like, no. You're not getting this. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. Forget about Moses and Elijah. This is the guy, Jesus. This is my son. The disciples were terrified and fell to their face on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when he looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus. The verse is really interesting, right? God comes in, his glory, and it, same thing, bam, these people are terrified. And, and what, is, what role is Jesus playing in that, right? He comes in, and he's like, hey, it's okay. And when they look up, they only see him. What does that tell us about what Jesus is supposed to do in the face of this overwhelming glory? When we encounter God, what is the role of Jesus in our lives? When we look up and we only see Jesus, it's really, really interesting. You know, God's like saying, hey, this feeling of weakness and frailty that you have, it's true. It's accurate. You're a sinful person. I'm a holy God. It only makes sense, right? You can't change that. But I want to give you a covering so that when you experience this unworthiness, you look up and you see Jesus. Hebrews. So then... Since we have a great high priest who's entered into heaven, of course, Jesus, the Son of God, 
Let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly into the throne of gracious God. They will receive mercy and will find grace to help us when we need it most. When we move close enough to God's glory so that it's loud and it's scary to us and it's intimidating, we need a covering. The Lamb of God, he gives us courage to face joy and gladness. And, you know, when we integrate the grace of God into this experience of hearing God's voice through Jesus Christ, that's when we can enter with boldness. That's when the experience goes from terror to joy. So I want to show you guys kind of what happens when you integrate God really quick is the worship reaction when Jesus is your covering. It's not just, oh, woe is me, fall on the ground. It's this humility. Yeah, that's natural. When you see a holy God, you should be humbled. But then, you get confidence to go boldly into the throne room. Then, of course, obedience. Obedience leads to holiness, and holiness leads to joy. It changes the experience from just straight up hearing the call, being flattened, to you hear the call, you push forward, you get closer to the God who's been telling us all along, by the way, since the Old Testament, hey, I'm the God of mercy. Come close to me. And you get that joy. And so I think a lot of us know this, by the way, but I just want to remind you, um, if, you're not, if you're struggling in your worship life, you're probably not struggling to do the things that are worship things. You're probably struggling to hear God ask you. You're probably start struggling to give Him the space to move in your life. And so I wanted to talk a little bit, a couple things that will help you hear the call daily. And I want to ask the main question today, which is, am I, am I hearing God's call to worship in my life? That's what I want you to think about. Like, am I hearing this? Like, if I am to be honest, when's the last time I felt God's overwhelming glory and saw his beauty and wanted to respond, you know? So here's some reasons. You may not be hearing God's call to worship. And I hope, you know, I don't know. I was going to say I hope it doesn't cut too close to home, but actually I do hope it cuts close to home. I hope someone, this is you, and this will help you. Um, you may have moved out of God's neighborhood. You might just not be where that call is coming from. You might have moved your life out of his neighborhood. Just like if you can't hear the call to worship in Marrakesh, it's because you're not there. You need to go back to where God is. I don't just mean a church service. But I mean, figure out where God is, go there, be there, dwell there, build your life around it. Create that kind of lifestyle. The second, you might have spiritual earplugs in. Maybe you've, um, we, we would call this in the Bible words, they say hardening your heart. Where you just don't allow yourself to hear God anymore for fear, for whatever reason, disobedience. When God's saying, hey, come worship me, you're, you can't hear it. I would encourage you, break down the wall, take out the earplugs, let God speak to you again. He's gracious, he's loving. But you got to deal with it. you got to deal with reality. And um, I know you feel unworthy, but the best thing for you is to just get in the middle of that and let God clean you up. Three, you might just be too distracted to hear God's voice. And this is a lot of us. Life is busy. There's a lot of things, and the devil doesn't need to make you sin or put in earplugs if he can just make it so that you're so distracted and your life is filled with so much noise 
that you don't have time. And so, I would encourage you not to feel guilty, because guilt is not from the Lord. Um, God wants to empower you, but to be honest, and if you know, if I wanted to, if I wanted to create space for silence, <coughs> or prayer, or something that would allow me to hear God's voice, could I do it? And you were to say, actually, like if one of your number one excuses is, I just don't have time, I'm so busy. Can we stop that excuse and just be honest and actually say, I need, I can't not do this. If you're too distracted to hear God's voice, um, it's a relatively simple solution. I wouldn't say an easy one, though, which is create space. And that's what we're going to talk about now. Three ways to hear God's call to worship, and then we're going to close. And remember, the question is, am I hearing God's call, and do I want to? Is this what I want? Because when you start hearing the call, then the worship will come out. You'll show up excited to worship. You're going to be like, oh, I can't wait, and you'll be worshiping at work. You're going to see the beauty. You'll see a sunset and go, oh, my gosh, I see you, God. You're so glorious. You'll see God moving in the people in your church, and you'll just start identifying that move in their life, and you'll say, oh, God, I love you. You're awesome. Like, these reactions are really about just us observing God. And people that can't see God, that's, that's really the big difference is we're Christians, we see God, and people who aren't, they don't know the Lord, they don't see the Lord. And so the worship is kind of an afterthought in some ways if you're seeing God everywhere. And so that's the goal is to hear and see God throughout our lives. And so here's some ways. First, build your life around God, his people, and his priorities. Like, whatever it is, make the things in your, like, make it a priority for you. You don't skip church to go to the beach. I mean, maybe once or twice a year, but I'm just saying, like, this is not your normal pattern in life. Your priority. God knows. You know, the Bible even talks about where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. What is your treasure? Make God your treasure. Make his people and priorities your treasure. Second, open your spiritual ears by removing spiritual earplugs. <coughs> For a lot of you, this is sin, and you need to confess. You need to have someone you talk to. Not everyone, but someone. Find someone safe. Have a conversation. If you're having stuff that's blocking you. And some of you guys, it's not like the traditional sins, like, oh, I'm secretly an alcoholic. Um, which, you know, we have a celebrate recovery if you're struggling in those areas. For some of you, it could just be like, every time I go to church, I think about this person at my church who I don't like. And I can't focus. Every day I think about my debt. And I can't focus. Like, I can't be happy because I can't stand my boss. And when I get home, the first thing I do is complain about my boss for three hours. I don't know. These are things that will just... They'll block God's voice in your life. And third, create a focused time to enter into the secret place with God. Um, and I'm not talking about like some um, legalistic kind of thing where it's like, oh, you've got to pray for an hour a day and all that. I'm just talking about create focus. Find a time to be silent, to pray. If, it's only, if you only have five minutes, then make that your time. Maybe try to do longer from time to time. Maybe try to get, but like, just start wherever you are and get, 
create a focused time where you really intentionally allow God to move and do something. This is the simplest thing you can do. You might even want to do it first before you try to start dealing with your sin. Some of you just need to sit down and be silent and let God talk to you about your sin before you even deal with it. I don't know. I'm just saying, let's not overcomplicate it. Get in his presence. See what happens. Most likely what will happen if you see his glory is you'll start worshiping. So do you want to hear the call to worship? That's the question. So I'm going to pray. And if you want to, I want you to say, hey, God, I want to hear you more. I want to see you more. And then see what happens. Dear Lord, I don't know. He spoke to us, guys. Dear Lord, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your calling. I pray you would move in the lives of these people. For those that want to hear you, who want to see you, um, I pray that they would in many ways this week. Give them um, the courage to get into your presence. Um, show them that mercy is there through Christ. And I pray in the name of Jesus that they would see you and hear you and that their response would be worship and adoration. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.